Welcome to the main experience. Welcome back to the Main Experience Podcast. You are listening to episode 18, our first of 2021, so happy new year. I hope everyone is staying safe and having a happy and healthy winter. This episode features the band Bait Bag from the island of North Haven off the mid-coast of Maine. Three women, Fiona Robbins, Claire Donnelly, and Courtney Naliboff, form this punk-inspired trio that isn't afraid to make something loud with catchy riffs, purposeful lyrics, and vocals that punch. They have a new single that was released on New Year's Eve called Safe Word that I will play for you later in the show as part of our main music feature. And finally, I have a recording I made last week on a windy day at the beach in Kennebunk. But first, the ladies of Bait Bag joined me the day before the release of their new single on the final day of 2020. These women were so much fun to talk to and really inspiring to hear about their musical journey and their main experience. So I'm really happy to share with all of you my conversation with Bait Bag. Enjoy. Okay, so here I am with Fiona, Claire, and Courtney from the band Bait Bag. Um, why don't each of you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do in the band? Hey, I'm Fiona, and I play the guitar and sing. I'm Courtney, and I play the bass and sing. Um, and I I do a, I read a lot of the press releases too. If you've gotten a press release, that's my typing. Yeah, and Fiona is also the TikTok queen of Bait Bay, which she didn't say <laughs> for sure. <laughs> And I'm Claire. I play drums. I call myself the band dad because I drive and I'm crabby in the morning and it's 9 a.m. for our listeners. <laughs> and Claire does our video editing and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So who wants to talk about how the band formed? Yeah, I can take that one. Okay. Um, so I, I had moved back to the island in 2018 and I, I knew Courtney and Claire um, relatively well, but not as well as I do now. Um, and Courtney had reached out to me about playing some music together. Um, and then Claire reached out to me about playing music together. And then somehow we were able to all connect and all play music together. Claire had just moved back from New York, um, and was picking up the drums again. And we got together that summer and jammed and started writing music and it just like escalated very quickly from there. Jammed, jammed is not my favorite musical (laughs) term. (laughs) But that is okay. Um, Yeah, it, it worked out so well because we had Fiona who played guitar and was, we knew Fiona really well as a singer songwriter at that point. Like she had um, played solo a lot on the island and we knew how amazing she was and she had talked to me like a couple of years before about let like let's play in a riot girl band it's gonna be what is it gonna be called Deco Boco um and then and Claire and I I guess had talked about the same thing but like even many years before that in in a Pilates class and so then we were all in the same place at the same time and the world was on 
was starting, like we thought the world was on fire at that point. <laughs> and we, if only we had known, but it felt like a good time to unleash some of that energy. So what year was that? Um, what, at what time that was, did you exactly feel that world was burning on burning and you guys found each other to start making music? Yeah. 2018, 2018. Yeah. Like May, June kind of cool. time of year. Awesome. So you have a new single coming out. I want to talk about that first and foremost. So tell me all about that. What are you excited about? Uh, the song's called safe word. Um, this is Courtney. I started writing it in late March, I think, of this year. Um, like heavy quarantines, moving logs around in the woods at my house. Um, and developed it over the next couple of months. And we've played it. <clears throat> we have played it live. Like live seems funny because I'm mostly talking about performances over Zoom and Facebook Live. But we've played it in front of people a couple times. Um, it's about 2020 and it's about the pandemic and it's about racial injustice. And it's also, I feel like ends on a note of move, trying to move forward from there. So, um, we recorded a demo of it in my yard, um, this summer and finalized it in a couple of like very safe behind plexiglass masked recording <laughs> sessions. Um, and we're going to release it New Year's Eve as a way of hopefully kicking 2020 soundly in the butt and closing the door on it and opening the door on the next year, which I always, you know, since for several years now, we've been like, well, gosh, it's got to get better. So, you know, gosh, it's got to get better again, hopefully this time for real. It'll be out on everywhere, all the places that music is, um, Spotify, Bandcamp places like that. Awesome. I love that the idea of the circumstances influencing the art and then the art being able to deliver right timely at the end of the year to sort of, you know, put a nice little punctuation point on this shit show of a year. Um, oh, can we swear? Can we swear on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cool. Well, that sounds really, really awesome. And I would love to hear a little bit about um, the musical influences of the band and each of your own um, earliest musical influences. So what made you fall in love with music? What made you want to pick up an instrument? And how does all of that influence the art that you guys are making currently? And I'll kind of go around the room then. So uh, Claire, do you want to start? Sure, I can start. Um yeah, I think that like where we convene as a band is on like kind of funny stuff. Like I feel like Lizzo was maybe one of like our first like mutual loves with all of us, but we all come from pretty different like influences in different places. I I guess started my best friend and I started playing electric guitar in the seventh grade because her brother started playing drums in a punk band. And so then we sort of had like intro to punk gateway music like the Ramones, Operation Ivy, Bouncing Souls that kind of stuff. And then that sort of led us to like the distillers, the Sleater Kenny, the Donna's eyeliners, that kind of thing. And then we're like, okay, great. We got to start our own band. And then she has a much better voice than I. So I think for the sake of like our ninth grade band, high school band, I started playing drums. Um, and you know, it's been a love affair ever since. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't play drums for like 15 years before Bait Bag. So <laughs> I played drums in high school in this band that was sort of formative, I think in my musical experience. And then started playing again in 2018 with Bait Bag. Awesome. 
And Fiona? Um, yeah, so I attribute a lot of my musical dad. He brought me onto the weirdest music at a very young age. So um, I grew up listening to like J.J. Kale and the Eels and Tom Tom Club, Muddy Waters and Velvet Underground. Um, and it wasn't until I got to like fourth grade that I started dabbling in my own music. Um, so I got really into Avril Lavigne, <laughs> wore a couple of ties for a while and, <laughs> you know, pretended to be sad in my room. Um, but yeah, I lived very much in the jazz folk world for the beginning of my musical career. Um, and I didn't even pick up an electric guitar till after we started Fate Bag. <laughs> <laughs> like I was rocking out on an acoustic for a couple months before I got my first electric. So it's been a really fun um, learning experience to sh learn how to shred you know, from the folk background. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and how about you, Courtney? Um, I more, I think more similarly to Fiona started playing music at a really young age. Um, also really influenced by my dad. Um, He's a really good pianist and has played in a like a dad band for a long, 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 long time. Um, so I studied piano and then at, kept adding instruments from there. S played jazz and classical trumpet really seriously for a long time. Started studying voice, did a lot of musical theater, um, wound up studying theory and composition in college. Um, so that's what my degree's in. And it really wasn't until like halfway through college that I opened the door to much punk or like early 2000s indie kinds of things. Like I was actually like shamefully disdainful of that kind of thing for kind of a long time um, just because of where my, where my head was and where I spent a lot of time. But once that door was opened, um, it, it sort of opened me to that experience. And after college, I moved to Boston and wound up going to grad school there, but I just sort of moved there to see if I could be a jazz singer, which the answer is no to that in Boston for pretty much everybody. Um, but I did start singing in bands and I got really, really involved in the sort of indie and underground scene there. Um, wound up learning. So I started out singing as like one of three backup singers in a glam band. And that was really fun. And I met a lot of cool people. And from there started participating in other people's projects, singing, even playing the trumpet a little bit, playing keyboards. But then, you know, it's like such a silly story of someone being like, hey, I want to start a band. Do you want to play bass? And I was like, I do not play this instrument, but I'm pretty sure I can figure it out in time for our first show. And I like barely did. I was a really bad bass player for quite a long time. Um, but that's how I started playing the bass was just a friend saying, I want to start a band. And I think it'd be fun if you were the bass player. Why? I have no idea why he thought that, but it worked out really well because then I learned bass and that really opened a, a even more opportunities. And then I've gotten to play bass a lot since I moved to North Haven, which now was a really long time ago, um, more than I ever would have expected. But to be able to start a band with people and be an integral piece of that band and not just be a singer and not just be a keyboard player, like to be a fundamental piece of that band has been really cool. And like, it took me a long time to get there musically. Um, but I'm super psyched about it. <laughs> 
That's really cool. Um, and it's it's uh, you you talking about being an integral piece of the band just made me think of how important that is in a trio too, right? Because each of you has to cover so much. And um, I was listening to some of your music last night, and I love the I love the a I love the attitude behind it, but also like the hooks are great. There's so many. They're so catchy and so visceral. Um, and I love the sort of like the balance of that. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the songwriting and creative process and how it works within your band and how an idea starts and then how you ultimately get it to the finished product. Um, and then how the recording process works for you guys. Um, and if it's changed at all in COVID. So who wants to take that one? Or who wants to you eat? Do you each want to uh, talk a little bit about that? We all, yeah, we all write, and we all have really different approaches to writing, which is really really cool. Um, I think I tend to show up with a with like a fully developed song skeleton. Um, that's just kind of my process, and I I often will ask for rhymes or lyrical advice or. I'll bring the skeleton and then Claire or Fiona will say like, Oh, what if you put this piece here? What if you did this again? Like this would be a good spot for this. Um, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a beautiful notebook holding songwriter. I'm like, a, I have a lot of draft emails with lyrics in them and that's kind of my process. And it's really, it's not like art. Like I'm, I live in my left brain so much for a creative person, but that's just kind of how it is. It's like my songs tend to be very structured and there's a rhyme scheme and they follow a pretty predictable path structure wise. And like, we're a punk band, so I don't feel bad about that at all. Like there's a place for that, but that's kind of what I think I bring to the table songwriting wise. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely live more in the melody side of things so when I'm writing a song I'll it'll be yeah I'll sing it just with no words first and slowly over time words will form and it will become an idea um but for the first time I've collaborated doing songwriting which has been a really cool experience so Claire is an incredible songwriter um so she writes a lot of lyrics and then will send them to me and all make different versions of that song and then we'll pick which one we like um, and explore that and it will slowly evolve as we keep playing it um, and that's been a yeah really cool experience on my end to to challenge myself to take her lyrics and make something with them we did a songwriting retreat um this fall we decamped for a different island in a different bay and <laughs> just like <laughs> <laughs> shut ourselves in the house and came out with five songs. And that was really cool. Like we all brought pieces of things that we've been working on um, and wound up with like reasonably coherent demos of, of five new songs. And it was really nice to just be in the room while we were all doing that and to be able to jump in earlier in the process, I think like to me, mm -hmm. it felt really, really just felt great. Like, just a nice process and a different process for all three of us. Yeah. I feel like that's like the, my biggest thought around this is like, it's still evolving. Like 
for as small as North Haven is, we weren't really in each other's friend groups before starting this band. So like, there's a lot of like vulnerability and still getting to know each other. And I think that like the songwriting retreat was like the first time that we were kind of doing that and forcing ourselves to be like uncomfortable in that unknowing and like figuring stuff out and letting that flow. And I think like COVID has definitely changed, I think how we write, you know, like I think I don't know. Like I have my high school band got back together and we were doing this thing where like one person would write a bit and then pass it on. Another person would write a bit and pass it on. And I feel like that just like, isn't really our vibe. Like, I feel like we're, I don't know, we do so much better when we can like be in a room together and work something out and play it. And, you know, like, I don't know, it's been hard. Like, I think the other thing about releasing the song is like, this is the first song we've released in six months. Like we released an EP right before the pandemic hit. And then like, kind of sunk into, I don't want to speak for you guys, but kind of sunk into like a deep depression of just like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And so it feels really good to be able to put something out and then like try and think about this next year, like how our songwriting and recording practices can evolve and like what we can do and starting to look ahead. Claire got us into using the program Soundtrap, um, which is a collaborative recording platform. Um, but until she sent a couple of of ideas through that. I don't think I touched my bass for months, like probably yeah. like two months. Cause <clears throat> we had that songwriting day on my patio too in May. But I think between March and May, I really didn't pick up my bass at all. I was just like trying to function yeah. and work remotely and deal with all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and you had a bunch of canceled shows during that time. And that was, it's just sad. Like the whole situation is really sad. So to have that impetus for like, that was for the round of demos that we did in my yard. And then the songwriting retreat was another set of five songs that we've, that we haven't touched since then, but that it's nice to know that we have them in our back pocket. Yeah. Same. I didn't like play any music for the first two months of the quarantine which I feel really guilty about or I felt guilty about because it was like, here's all this time. Let's be creative and like make the most of it. But all I could do is like sit on my couch and scroll through TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so to be able to be flexible with how we record our demos um, was really nice. It was like so nice to get together and be able to play music together instead of in chunks through this app, which was great, but just not the same. Um, so we like we recorded at Courtney's house in the yard and like, you know, there were chords coming out of the, the bathroom window. We were all like in separate places in the yard, but we could hear each other and we were playing yeah. off of each other. And that was so sweet. You asked about the recording process. Um, so what we typically do we have, I am in, so listeners cannot see, but Jason can see. Um, I'm sitting in my recording studio right now, and it's awesome. Looks um, awesome. So my husband is a musician and a, an engineer and producer, and he has kindly taken us on as a project that he engineers and produces. So we, what we tend to do is we tend to just pack into my house. Um, we'll do the drums first with Claire in the living room with like cables snaking down the stairs and everything. And the cats are always very involved. And my six-year-old daughter is very present, um, track the drums and then move back up into the studio to track, um, real tracks of bass drum, uh, bass guitar and vocals. And then Bill will mix 
and we'll send things back and forth and listen and give feedback and all sit in studio together and crowd in there and take photos of each other. And it's just very, very nice and cozy and great. So obviously we haven't been able to do that in a long friggin' time. So instead, yeah, so the yard has become, we became the studio and we had to time things around the weather and on a windy day, we had to tuck Claire and her drums into like a corner, like a little L outside my house. Um, we have a little greenhouse that became our vocal isolation booth, and that was pretty sweet. Um, and we got some complaints from the neighbors, so that made us feel like a real punk band. <laughs> and when I say neighbors, they're like a like a quarter mile down the road. They're not like crammed in next to us or anything. They're pretty far away. Um, uh, and then... For Safe Word, which is the first really finalized recording we've done in a while, we use the community center stage. We have a really great community center on the island, and it has a nice um, little proscenium theater in it. So we set up, Bill was behind a plexiglass shield, and he had his portable recording set up, and then Fiona and I tracked vocals facing away from him 16 feet away, masks on when we weren't recording. Um, we did some gang vocals by like spreading out across the stage and just yelling <laughs> towards the microphone. And that was it. Like it was different. We, I was glad we got it done. Fiona was able to be in the studio to track guitars um, with masks on. And that was, you know, also fine. But like Claire didn't come because it didn't make sense to add a body. But it felt sad to not be squished into my to this room. Like this room is a place where we spend a lot of time on this couch or like on the rug, just listening to each other and throwing ideas around. So it's different. Like I'm happy we're able to do something and I'm really, we're really grateful that we have access to Bill. Um, but it's different. Everything's different. Yeah. It's, it's great to hear though that, well, it's, it's sad to hear that everybody had this like visceral sadness because we all had it, you know, and it was like, what do we do with ourselves? We have all this time, but we are so sad about what's going on. But it sounds like you all found it very cathartic to come back to your instruments and then find, you know, and ha you had each other to sort of, you know, go through it together with. And then the fact that you were able to, to adapt your recording and creative processes, it just sort of, you know, it's like music can't be stifled, you know, and I, and I love that about it. And, um, I'd love to hear more about each one of your, um, day jobs or personal lives in Maine, you know, not involving bait bag, but what are you guys, what are you guys doing to, as, as when you're not being creative? Um, who wants to go first? <laughs> oh, I can, I guess everyone else is giggling. Um, <laughs> I am never not being creative because I am the music and theater teacher at the school out oh, here. Oh, cool. So that is what brought me to the island. Um, I grew up in central Maine. I was born in Oklahoma, but I don't remember it. So I don't think it counts, maybe. Um, left for college and then grad school and then was recruited for this job um, through someone I knew from college. And... I'd been to North Haven before and I was aware of its history and its theater program, which is really cool and pretty long lived. So I, Bill and I had been dating for a couple months in Boston at that point. We were playing in like 
11 bands between the two of us and had both just finished school and had no good job prospects. And I was like, what if we moved to an island off the coast of Maine? And he was like, okay. So <clears throat> we did that and it worked out really well. And I've been, yeah, I've been teaching at the school for 16 years now. And we, my husband teaches at the school on Final Haven. He also teaches music. So he crosses the thoroughfare to go to work now. And I've, I've directed or produced over 50 shows, I think, in the time I've been here with mostly with kids. We had um, the band Deerhoof came out early in my time here and helped a stage a ballet based on one of their albums. And I mean, it's just been the opportunities out here are so incredible because there is a theater and there is, you know, there's a need for all of these things, but there's only like 300 and something of us. So if you're the person who does the theater, or you're one of a small handful of people who does the theater, you get to do a lot of the thing that you like to do. Um, it's been really cool. I'm an EMT, a volunteer EMT. And when the, when group exercise is a thing, I teach a Pilates class. The why, like you can do whatever you want out here. Like if you've got the motivation to do it. And I think that's, what's kept us here for so long is that it stays fresh because you can have an idea and then execute it um, with a lot of, often a lot of support and a lot of excitement and interest from the community. Sounds amazing. Sounds like a really cool place to live. <laughs> how about you, Fiona? What, uh, what, how, how do you spend your spare time or not spare time in when you're, you know, having to work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just became a small business owner. Um, I took over an, <laughs> I took over an e-commerce, um, business called Island Apothecary where I make organic skincare cool. from my house and sell it online. Um, and in the summer times, I am uh, a landscaper. I'm a gardener. So I work for uh, Islandscape and dig in the dirt and put in plants and learn all the Latin names. Um, it's a really fun job. That's also very creative to help, you know, look at the, the shapes and colors and um, timing of the flowers. It's like multi-layer painting. It's really fun. Very cool. Um, but yeah, I've, you know, it's a seasonal lifestyle. So it's a bit of random jobs here and there working at a brewery, working at a pizza place, um, babysitting, but I think I've like found a pretty level <laughs> work structure now, which is exciting. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. How about you, Claire? First of all, everyone should go check out Island Apothecary. So it's a really cool business started by a mutual friend that on the island. It was founded on North Haven by this woman, Laura. And then Fiona was her only employee for years. And then finally, the, you know, she's having her second kid. This is a very great story. I actually, so I work for the Island Institute and record a podcast uh, about businesses during COVID. It just finished. It just wrapped up. But one of the last episodes I did was with Fiona and Laura talking about the transition of the business. So I encourage everyone to go check that out. Um, it's a great business. I'm so wearing yeah, earth body oil as we speak. I have earth body oil on my face <laughs> that Fiona made. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Great products. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just started working for this nonprofit maybe two years ago. I, um, I just realized this spring... I, so I founded, I moved to North Haven and started a business there 
in 2011, which means I'll have been there for 10 years. Wow. This March. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I think I lived on the island for a little before I started the business, but like really full time dug in. So that's crazy. And now I get to work from home, which is awesome because of the pandemic. The nonprofit I work for is in Rockland. It's called the Island Institute. I do small business support for um, island and coastal small businesses. So in March, when the pandemic hit, my work went bananas. And so um, I feel like that was also part of the reason that I stepped away from like music was just having to like figure out federal funding and making sure our constituents had access to all these programs and like trying to understand like what the next nine months year was going to look like for small business on the coast of Maine. And now, um, you know, just really focused on like small business is the backbone of Maine's economy. And so what is recovery going to look like through that lens? Like, how are we going to solve this unemployment crisis through getting small business owners back up and running and open? And that's sort of where the, the bulk of my work is focused right now. Okay. So that kind of leads into my next question. You've talked, you've all talked a little bit about the island and what you do there. And it sounds like all of your professions are very heavily influenced by your environment and the island and the people and all of that. So um, for those listening who haven't been to North Haven, myself included, um, what's it like? Tell us a little bit about the people there, the lifestyle, what you can expect if you were to visit or what it's, what it's like to live there. I just want to start by saying I was just having a conversation with my boss. He lives on Islesboro that like people tend to overly romanticize island life. And I would just like to throw out there. It's literally like living anywhere else in rural Maine, except for a fucking pain in the ass. Preach. <laughs> so like everyone needs to chill on island life. That is my, that's where I want to start this oh, question. You guys I love can then take it away to how amazing and romantic it is. <laughs> Um, I was Ocean not everywhere. It smells like rose hips. The <laughs> sun shine and the beaches. The no, ocean is legit awesome, though. Like, no, great. no shade at the oceans. <laughs> I love that ocean. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. it's a pain in the butt to get on a ferry to go anywhere. Is what you're trying to say? Oh yeah, it is, yeah. It is a pain in the butt. It's an hour and ten minutes to get to the mainland, um, and it's like you have to plan a day ahead to figure out logistics to get to the mainland and everything. So there's definitely some downsides to living out here. Um, but the pros, at least for me, is is the community. It's a really strong community of, of support. Like Courtney was saying, there's like freedom to do anything you want creatively and people will come and help you out and support that. Um, there's 380 some people out here year round. And it goes up to around 2000 in the summertime. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like a fun pace of life. It's, it's really high energy in the summer, very like chill and calm in the wintertime. Um, yeah. And beautiful. It can be very insular. And that, that was hard. Like, I don't know what the experience was <laughs> for you two moving to the Island. Um, but Bill and I just sort of plopped, down with no connections and luckily like I don't think I would have moved here by myself I don't I can't see myself doing that but so luckily I had somebody but we spent a lot of time that first year recording weird shit in our rental house by ourselves like that is what we did for that first year because we didn't know a lot of people our own age I knew some people through work but I was probably the youngest person at the school by like 
15, 20 years at that point, which isn't the case anymore. Now I'm an old lady, but, um, but at that point we, we hadn't really found a peer group and I don't even know if that peer group fully existed on the Island at that point. Like a lot of the people who we're friends with now are folks who were in college when we came to the Island and then moved back or people who have moved more recently. Um, so that was tough and it's still weirdly tough. Like, Bill's Latino and I'm Jewish and we have a Jewish and Latino kid. And like, that's not always as smooth and easy as it feels like it should be in 2020, but it's not, it just isn't. And it wasn't growing up in central Maine either. Um, It's rural and it has some of the rural pros. Like I live on two and a half acres. That's awesome. Amazing. I can garden. Cool. The ocean's right there. I can swim in it literally anytime. Um, And it, it has historically been a place where like uh, we have a road called Indian point that is named after a massacre of Penobscot nation people. Um, The yacht club sailing club didn't admit Jewish people or people of color for a while. Like now it does, but it, it didn't, there was a time when it did not. And it's factual. Like it's documented factual information that people are very testy about if you bring it up. Um, And that's just like a fact of life. I think it's not even true only in rural places like that is true in a lot of places, but it's highly concentrated here. Like there's not there is not a community of Jewish people on the island other than myself, my offspring. And like now there's one other person. Um, And that's okay. Like that's a choice that I made to move back to a rural place after being in a city for a while. But it does sometimes make things weirdly hard and uncomfortable, um, but it continues to evolve. Um, yeah. It's a sad yeah. reality that a lot of people have to deal with in a lot of different places. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's just, it's, it's even more um, isolating in a, in a community that's very small. Right. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'd make up for by throwing when I can throw parties, massive Jewish holiday parties Love that, that are really parties. awesome. Um, but I haven't been able to do that. And it's just been sort of highlighting that feeling, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney's an amazing baker and cook. I had a bakery. <laughs> I had a bakery out here for a long time. Oh, cool. That's Very another cool. thing I did. Um, so is there anything, is there anything else on the Island that we're, that we're missing? Uh, sounds like I'm making a bigger deal out of the Island than it should be though. That's what, that's what. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm such a dick about it. It's actually become a really cool place late, Like lately there's, you know, um, Fiona's partner owns a brewery out there. There's a pizza place. Like I think that in recent years, it's really started to become right. a great place to live. And then has attracted a lot of like young, I got, I don't know if we're still considered young, but like our generation back to the island to come and have families and, and live there again. And, so, yeah, so, there's a pretty good crew of young people out here. So it, it's kind of experiencing a little mm-hmm. the same bit of small town renaissance that we're that I'm seeing a lot on a lot of main streets sort of around places. You know, it's like people are coming back to the people are starting to the, the appeal of it is more, you know, and I think it's with COVID, it's only going to make it even more appealing, right? These rural areas are going to have even more, more people coming to them to work from home and start businesses and that sort of thing. Um, awesome. So you all are from Maine. Did I catch that? No, not, not all from Maine. Okay. So where I'm leading to is 
like, ha- what are some of your places around Maine that you really like? Not Maybe not necessarily North Haven, but when you do get off the island, where is it that you're wanting to go? Day trip, a long weekend, adventures, hiking. Kind of tell me some of your favorite spots that you, you like to go to. For me, it's all, like, north and east. Like, I think the most interesting places in Maine are, are now even, like, north of Midcoast where we are. Like, I just went to... Millinocket. Mm-hmm. You know what they say? Don't Millinocket till you tried it. <laughs> That's the daddest dad joke ever. Band I had a sticker that said that from the Millinocket. But so Millinocket has a new public library that just opened up. That's amazing. The there's a nonprofit up there called Arcatadin that just took over the Great Northern Paper Mill West. Millinocket Mill and they're working on like revitalization. The downtown has this like wild like western feel to it. Like it's just a very like it feels like a ghost town in Montana or something. And just like it's in May and then obviously like there's Mount Katahdin right there and the Great Northern Outdoor Center. Like I don't know. It's just I feel like underrated. And then like Eastport, Washington County. Gotta go to Millbridge. I saw there was something question about food. Vasquez is like an amazing Mexican place in Millbridge in Washington County. Highly recommend. Awesome. Yeah, we played a show in Machias and that was amazing um, with some great hikes and swims and it's such a cool place down there. I love going down east um, and staying staying close to the ocean, but <laughs> away from here. I spent a lot of time in Whitefield. Um, it's where my parents live now. Um, mostly I'm craving Japanese food <laughs> when I, like, I grew up partially in Japan and I just really love going to Minato's in Portland is one of my favorite comfort food places. Suzuki's in Rockland has the best sushi in all of Maine. Um, yeah. I just miss going out to eat. I know. Right. <laughs> it is a sad. Yeah. Wow. There's no takeout here. So <laughs> there was to like October and now there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Hello Hello Books in Rockland. Um, that is a place where I, that I'm so glad they started doing more with their website because I've ordered a lot of books from them in the pandemic because I can't go in and browse and like that is what I, that's what I used to do. Um, uh, I like Portland, Bluey Blighty. Like yes, it's a cool little city, and I think that getting to play shows there over the last couple of years has actually shown that it's a great community too. Um, and one that I, I really had, like I'd gone there for fun or like when I was flying out of somewhere or something, but hadn't really met people or spent time. And the, the situation across the state of Maine, like it's so funny, like Maine is such a big state, but there's so few people that there's like a Boston scene. And then there's like a Maine scene um, and there is a little bit of regionality to it. Like, yeah, there's Portland and there's Bangor and this and that, but it does kind of feel like a, a state that has a cohesive music scene. And I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I love that we've been part of that and that we've been included in festivals and write-ups and things like that. Um, there are just fantastic people who I miss so much and there are great venues that I miss so much. Um, and that's been a really cool part of, being in a band again is getting to go to Machias and meet cool people in Machias and play a show in a backyard of a, whatever that was <laughs> amazing, like Obadiahs. antique 
Obadiah's like antique slash book slash there was some food being made in like a, a toaster little, oven in a toaster <laughs> oven and there was a stage and there were a ton of people and then when we walked around town the next day like people were like oh my god I was at your show it was so great like you were in that band and that's such an awesome feeling like not because we're like Machias famous but that's cool too but just to be an acknowledged part of a community in that way. Um, right. And that's something I had really, really missed leaving Boston. Um, the Boston scene wasn't perfect, but it, it had a lot of strong connections and you could talk to people and meet people and join their projects or support their projects. And I feel that way about the whole scene in Maine. Um, it's really filling that niche. Right. Being in a band, being a bait bag has helped us, helped me grow this community past the island. So now we have this larger main community that we can tap into and hang out with in almost any town or city that we've played in. We, we know people and that's really fun. Uh, so you have the new single coming out and you said it'll be everywhere. What is, what's next? And I know that's like a really difficult question coming into New Year's 2021, but do you guys have any big plans for the year or things that people should be on the lookout for from bait bag that is the ultimate question right what's next well as we said we have um five new songs that we wrote on our writing retreat so hopefully we can make some demos and start recording those at some point um and get those out and what else do we have? <laughs> we have, we're going to play a show for the main women's lobby um, via Zoom and Facebook Live on January 19th, I believe is the date for that. Awesome. Um, so they're going to be just trying to whip up some excitement around some of the bills that they're going to be pushing and supporting. Um, I think it is a little bit of a fundraiser for them, um, but just an opportunity to, to hear about their platforms and the work that they're doing. Um, we're going to be playing a highly cured set aimed at some of the things that they're working on, um, which dovetails really nicely with some of our, our stuff. Um, and we're also um, really hoping to get some more Spotify traffic to be perfectly plain and like blatant and honest. Like that's a, a game that we're trying to figure out how to play. And if, people want to check us out over there specifically like give it a spin it's a it's a gamey algorithmy weird life that musicians lead right now so mm -hmm. help us help us game it a little bit i love that description because that that is what it is gamey algorithmically it's like it is it is a bizarre thing when you read about the history of the music business and then you look at where it is now and it's just not even resembling anything close to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And yeah, algorithms have a lot to do with it. So I love that. Check out bait bag on Spotify. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So this is one where people are like, Oh, don't ask me for advice, but I'm going to ask you for advice. What's your advice for, um, you know, someone who's thinking about picking up an instrument, whether they're young or old, something that's think someone's thinking about writing a song, whether they're young or old, and maybe somebody who's like, hey, maybe we should start a band. We never did that in high school. Maybe now's the time to do it. You know, what's what's your advice for for budding creatives that are looking to make something loud? Just yeah. do it. Like, don't 
don't wait for someone to give you permission to do the thing that you want to do. Just do the thing that you want to do and like do it, do it as a beginner and then practice and do it as a intermediate and then, you know, do it at the level that you want to do it and just, just make things happen. Um, we, I'm, I started meeting the punk planet collected interviews book I picked up yesterday and, um, it says punk has always been about asking why and then doing something about it. Like, yeah, just do the thing you want to do. Like I realized that so that that's like maybe a privileged thing to say, like not, not everybody maybe feels like there's space for that or has access to the resources. But, um, I don't know. I'm a middle-aged mom and like school teacher and I am just doing this thing because I really want to do it. And it's really important to my, mental well-being and like personal happiness and full acknowledgement of myself and who I am and that and so I'm just like I want to do it and therefore I'm doing it I'm making time and I'm lucky to have people who support me in it but I'm I am making it happen for myself with my peers my advice for firstly um starting a band because this is something that I struggled with a lot like I was in a couple of bands in college, but, but I was having a really hard time finding women to play music with. And that was my goal. I went to Portland to try and play music with people. I like posted Craigslist ads looking for women to play music with. And I just wasn't finding that, but I kept playing music on my own, kept talking about it, kept asking people saying what I wanted. And eventually it came together um, and happened, but I just had to keep, it was years of like, I want to play music with women. I want to play music (laughs) until it actually came to fruition. Um, so I'd say just be loud about what you want. And then for songwriting, um, give, give yourself space to write shitty things. And even a shitty thing is going to inform the good thing. Um, it's just, whether it's like, that's not what I want it to sound like, or it, it slowly becomes more going toward what sounds good to you. Like that's the vulnerable part about songwriting. And that's what makes it hard to start collaborating is, is because you're going to have weird corny lyrics or a bad riff and it's going to help you eventually. If you let yourself have that 90% of bad stuff to get to the good stuff um and also a voice memo app is your best friend record it all because you get in the zone you're gonna forget it and then you can go back and edit through and find the good stuff i'm just gonna add on like i love the idea of allowing yourself to be a beginner at something or or like putting stuff that's shitty out like for me like i I'm not a musician from an early age like Fiona and Courtney. And I feel like coming back to the drums after 15 years was like really intimidating, obviously. And I'm, I feel like I have to work like five times as hard as those guys do to play, you know, to play our very rudimentary music. And so I feel like, um, like you're never too old. And then also like people play music for so many different reasons. Like you don't have to put things out into the world. Like you can play things just for yourself or you can play things you know, I don't know, like you don't always, I feel like have to have one specific goal in mind for why you're doing stuff. And I think like, one thing that's been cool for me is like, I can hear myself improving over the like bait bag EPs, like the recordings of just like allowing myself like 
to be vulnerable in like putting things out that I, you know, like I'm like along for the ride, you know, like learning and learning and learning. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear it too. Cause I didn't play electric guitar until we started and, and I didn't know what a power chord was <laughs> until I got into the studio and Bill like helped me form it with my fingers. And like, I think as women, you know, as girls, at least in my experience, like, I was conditioned to only do the things that I was really good at. And so I had to unlearn how to be and like learn how to be a beginner and be vulnerable. Um, and I think right from the very beginning of the band, we gave ourselves ourselves permission and we labeled ourselves as confident, sloppy and loud and said, this is who we are and we're just going to go for it. God, there's so much good advice and all that. Like, the persistence, being true to yourself, just keep on plugging ahead, letting the, you know, letting the stumbles inform the successes. I love that. This, that's so much, so much good there. Um, awesome. Well, that's it. Um, thanks to, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Um, check out the single on Spotify. Um, is there anything else you guys want to add? Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is our first, like, zoom interview <laughs> worked out pretty well a couple internet flubs but that's that's okay it's all good it's all part of living in 2020 or now soon to be 2021 2021 um, awesome. soon enough. amen to that <laughs> awesome well that's bait bag thanks guys thank, thank you. you thanks so much to the ladies of bait bag for taking the time to come on the show and share their main experiences with all of us Baitbag will be performing January 19th at 6 p.m. as part of the Maine Women's Lobby special live streaming event celebrating the kickoff of the 130th Maine Legislature. There will be policy talk, punk rock, and information on the work being done to advance gender equity in Maine. Check the show notes for a link to more details on the event. Next, as part of the Maine music feature, we have Baitbag's new single, Recorded outdoors during a socially distanced recording session, not letting the pandemic stifle their creativity, they conjured this visceral punctuation point on the year that was 2020. Here's Bait Bag with Safe Word. 
was Bait Bag with Safe Word. Go check them out on Spotify. They have all of their EPs there, so make sure you give them a listen and turn them up loud when you do so. They also have their music and some merchandise available on their website, so be sure to check all of that out as well. Check the show notes for links to their Spotify page and their website. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Main Experience Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to give the show a listen. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show, be sure to give this podcast a rating or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This episode's main soundscape was recorded on a cold and windy day in Kennebunk Beach, Maine. I was loading some gear into my truck while out on a gig, and the roar of the huge waves prompted me to turn my gear back on and capture this recording from a distance. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks again for listening. See you on the next episode of The Main Experience. Main Experience is produced by Audio Evolutions. Audio Evolutions is a small business run by me, Jason DeWald, and I would love to work with you on your next project. In the modern age of digital media, it is easier than ever for people to be creative, but poor audio quality can distract from all of your hard work and ruin your project. Let Audio Evolutions help evolve your sound to the next level. Offering services ranging from full-scale music production for your next album, podcast production to give you the professional sound you deserve, audio post-production for video, location sound recording for video shoots, and even voiceovers. Send an email to jason at audioevolutions.net and let me know how Audio Evolutions can help you evolve the way your world sounds.